Good morning, ladies. We're going to go ahead and get started. And one man, who is my husband, that's here. All right, so the first announcement we have... You're not on. Right. I'm not on. Uh-uh. Testing. Oh, there we go. Hello. I can't move it. Well, Test. Hello. I'm on. Are you on? Am I on? There we go. A little okay. louder. All right. Are you? Can y'all hear me? Okay. All right. So the louder. first announcement we want to okay. make, because I think everyone was talking earlier, is that the next event in December is the Wagners. Todd and Alex coming to talk about abiding in Christ and discipline. So that registration opens up this afternoon. And I would just encourage you, if you think you want to attend, to be on your computer and register because we know it will fill up quickly. And Desi also asked, if you have access to child care, like you can get your grandma or your husband might have Friday morning off or something like that, so that you can use outside child care. I don't know who that is. I'm so sorry. Wow. All right. It's my earring. I'm very sorry. It's coming off. Um, if you have outside child care, use that so that other people can use the child care registration. And if you're missing an orange tag for one child, we found it for you. So it would be pointless to read the numbers because you wouldn't know what they are. But here it is. Okay. Um, all right. Let's start with our video, please.
clap. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, obviously we're not that mops program at that church, but man, does that capture the heartbeat of this talk today. Um, guys, we're all just moms and we're striving to be great moms. And more than that, Proverbs 22, 6 is a verse of this ministry. And it says, train up a child in the way that he would go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that's what we're doing. Like we're here, you're here, we're coming, we're trying. Our goal is to be who the Lord wants us to be, to read his scripture, apply it to our kids' lives, and, and shoot them out of our nest someday, right? In the trajectory of the Lord and his calling for him. Is that me? And for them. Um, and that's what this is all about today. But what happens is we get caught up in all of these things that they feel really important right now when they're little, but when they're older, it doesn't matter if they're breastfed or formula fed. It doesn't, once you've had the baby, it doesn't matter whether it was a home birth or a hospital birth, you know, like when all that's said and done, those are the things that, that it's important right now in our season. Is that me? Um, I'll take a handheld if I keep doing that. Um, it's important in this season for sure. Don't, don't hear me say it's not. But eventually those things pass and we're, we're training up children in a different way. And so we get caught up in these things and we compare and, and we think we're not as good of a mom as we should be and all this. So that's what we're here to talk about today. Is it her? I don't know. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it we and we'll find see. out. Good? Yeah, I think we're good. Okay, very good. Um, Let's pray to get started. Holly, do you want to pray for us? Yes. Um, Dear Lord, first of all, I just pray for the technical issues that we just wouldn't have any and that you would just remove that obstacle right now so that we can focus on the words that you would have um, for us this morning, that what comes out of my mouth and Allison's mouth would be straight from you, that every woman here would leave feeling challenged um, and convicted but not condemned, and that she would know that she is loved and that she is your daughter and, and that your desire is for our very best. We just thank you for this morning, and we turn it over to you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Real quick, um, I was given a note. There is a dark gray Odyssey minivan in the parking lot. Lights on, doors open. Um, first three letters are BDD, license plate. If that's you, you might want to situate that situation. Okay. Great. That right there is an example of what it's like to get here yeah. <laughs> in the morning with all your people. All right, want to jump in here? Okay, we're going to get started, ladies. Okay, examples of comparison. So these are the things that Holly and I were sitting down brainstorming, like where the areas that we compare in. Um, I'll go first. Um, home birth or hospital birth? You forgot to introduce yourself. I forgot to introduce myself. I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Holly's first. Oh, that's funny. Here we go. Mom is frantic. Mom is frantic and asking us to hurry up. You go dump all the cereal out and pour syrup on it. I'm pooping my pants right now and going to throw all the shoes in the toilet. Can anybody relate to that? Right? That's what's happening behind the scenes, y'all. And that's why we can't compare. So we have to be on each other's team because they're fighting us. That's what's going on. Right. Okay. Okay. So, so this is my family. This was this past summer in Colorado. So it's my husband, David, with the hat on, and my daughter, Emily, and my son, Daniel. And Emily is a freshman at Alabama, roll tide. And Daniel is either, he's a senior in high school, so next year he is either going to be roll tide, going pokes, or sick and bears. So we're, the jury is still out on that, so we'll just have to wait and see. Um, we've been married for 25 years. I love this ministry. Um, as you know, the NEST stands for Nurture, Encourage, Strengthen, and Train. 
And my passion is really to encourage you um, and to nurture you. This is a hard, hard, hard phase that you're in right now. But ladies, it's quick. It goes by so quick, I can't even tell you. And so um, I hope that you leave today feeling encouraged. Holly, the note is is you can't hold it. That's what's going on. All right. Or you hold it, it it bugs. Okay. Sorry, y'all. Let's try this again. Okay, let's try this again. Um, my name is Allison Treadaway, and I think there's a mugshot of my people. Aw, isn't that cute? Um, that sweet man right there is my husband. We've been married for 10 years, um, coming up in April, and he surprised me, and he showed up. How sweet is that? Aw, so cute. Um, that's awesome, embarrassing for him. Um, so that, we've been married for 10 years, like I said, and those are our three kids. Um, Parker is six, going on seven. Callie is four, and Tucker just turned two, my littlest man. Um, he's real cute. Anyway, so ladies, I'm in there with y'all. And actually, so I feel like I'm in there with y'all because I have a two-year-old still. Um, but on Monday, I had the privilege of watching my sweet, sweet niece and nephew who is two. And then the nephew is three months. And so I was reminded that I'm a little bit out of it because I had a three-month-old and a two-two-year-old and a four-year-old and it was wheels off. Like it was just, you know, they are great, great, great. Loved it. Do it again. But I mean, just the whole juggling and the feeding, and you never get anything done. So I felt like the Lord gave me that opportunity, so I can relate even more to those of you with infants and with toddlers. Um, So anyways, there we go. That's who I am. Um, Let's move on. Examples of comparison. We're going to start here. So these are areas where we brainstorm and we feel like um, we compare. Um, so home birth or hospital birth, doula, midwife or neither, breast or bottle feed, vaccinate or don't, disposable diapers or cloth, cry it out or not, childcare at three months or nine months or at a year, co-sleep or crib train, pacifier or not, when do we compare, when do they roll over, crawl, walk, run, throw a ball, kick a ball, ride a bike, etc. Do you keep them forward facing until they're a year or do you wait until they're two, three or maybe five to actually turn them around? Potty train, do you do it at 22 months with a method or do you wait till they kind of figure it out on their own because, you know, you don't want to do the method kind of thing? Um, do you give them lollipops at 9 o'clock in the morning at the grocery store to keep them quiet and fit, sit through that grocery store run? Or do you not? Do you put them in preschool or Mother's Day out or any form of child care outside of church? Maybe you're a family member. Do you spank them? And if you do, when? Do you do timeouts? And if so, how long? Do they sit by themselves or do they go in their crib? Or, or do you hold them and make them their arms wrap across their chest? Um, do they go to bed at 6 or 7 or 8 or 9? Um, do you homeschool, public school, private school, quorum deo, or Christian private school? Um, do they do sports, soccer, karate, gymnastics, swim lessons? Do you do it at the Y? Do you do the city? Do you do private lessons? Um, do you let them have screen time? And if so, how much? And birthday, bar- birthday parties. Do you do the big bash of the year and invite everybody? Or do you just have a quiet family thing on their birthday? Um, do you go to Chuck E. Cheese or Jump Street or what other thousands of places that are monkey business, all these places out there? What do you do? Okay. Taking on from there. So then the comparison never stops. It's like, is my child reading? Is he writing like the other child? Does he know all his letters? Are we learn- teaching our children to tie shoes? Are they putting on, are you using slip-ons to avoid having to learn to tie shoes? Are you getting a mommy makeover? Do you let your child go to sleepovers or not? Are you going to let your child have a cell phone? And if so, when? And if they get a cell phone, are you going to let them text? Are you going to let them have Instagram? Are you going to let them do Snapchat? Are you going to let them get on the Internet? Are you going to have Internet on your phone? Is your computer going to be in the family room? Or are you going to let them have a laptop? 
you to let them go to PG movies, PG-13, R movies? Did they get to go alone? Did they get to go in groups? Did they get to go with somebody of the opposite sex? What about music? Are you going to make them listen to your music? Are you going to make them listen to only Christian music? Are you going to uh, freak out if they listen to their own music? Uh, ADHD medications. Driver's ed. Parent taught or self-taught or a course. The car. Do they get a car? Do they share a car? What are the restrictions around that? Curfew. Dating. Courtship. Dressing. Bikinis or one-pieces or tankinis. Concerts. Sports. Private coaches, do you do YMCA, SVAA, academy, or club? How about building the resume, extracurricular activities, volunteering, grades? Do they take AP courses, honors courses, awards and recognitions, SAT prep, college visits, college applications, acceptances, dorms, co-ed or single sex, senior trips with parents or without? The list just goes on and on. And I will tell you, I'm not to this stage yet, but I have a friend who's got a married uh, child. And now the comparison is how much time are they spending with us over the holidays versus the in-laws. Mm-hmm. So it just never ends, ladies. And our um, hope today is that you will kind of get a visual of how this can entangle you and cause you to be discontent and that you would um, take some ground in this area. So motherhood is hard enough. We've got to be each other's champions not tearing each other down, either verbally or um, in our own heads. Here's a funny little picture Holly found. Um, that sweet mom, I can barely keep my head above water, so who am I to judge how you decide to feed your child? Um, ladies, and that's just a great picture as we, we're going to go into talking about specifically kids and areas and ways that we compare. Um, we've bought the lie that we need an HGTV home Janie and Jack dress kids. If you don't know what that is, it's a very high-end clothing line. Um, MVP athletes that have memorized all the What's in the Bible episodes. Um, we've, we've bought that lie. And so what happens is um, all these things that Holly and I listed are just our own brainstorms. They're just decisions that we have to make that aren't necessarily biblical. Um, they're extra biblical. Like what I mean by that is the Bible is very clear, do not murder. We all would agree, you know, do not murder. That's a clear, do not steal. That is very clear, defined biblical truth. But whether your kid has a pacifier or not, whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, all these other things are extra biblical. And so there's all these decisions in motherhood and parenthood that we have to make and we have to discern for our family, for our child, individual children, what is the right path for them. Um, And so this previous list we talked about, man, if it's not in the Bible, I would just encourage you to remind you that it's opinion and it's not a biblical principle. And what you need to focus on when you're trying to discern the right choice for your family is what is a biblical principle. For instance, pacifiers. Some of you are like, my kid has a pacifier until he's three and who cares? And some of you are like, my kid won't have a pacifier until they're past three months old. And you know what? To each its own. But at the end of the day, the question that needs to be asked is, why, why are we using a pacifier? Are we using a pacifier to prevent our, or to keep ourselves from having to discipline an overly whiny child? Or are you using a pacifier because the, the little boy or the little girl finds comfort in that sucking motion and it allows them to sleep better? Those are two very different. Like if we're using it to kind of shut our kid up and move on, that's the biblical question to ask yourself. What is it that I'm teaching and training my child 
through using this tool? Um, and what would God have me do? And if you are content, and the pacifier analogy, if you're great with, hey, it just soothes him and it's good for all of us, great, be at peace, move on. Don't then judge another because they are or are not doing what you're doing. Does that make sense? So all of these things we've talked about, it applies to all of that. If there's not a biblical principle, um, search that out. If it's opinion, it's opinion. But look for the biblical principle and look um, to discover what is it, why you're, you're choosing what you're doing. And then be free, ladies. Be free with the decisions that you make for your family. Um, it's a waste of time and energy when we focus and we, we, we spend so much of our mind's time obsessing over, well, well, that family is doing X, Y, and Z, and we're not, should we? And, and we, we work ourselves up in a row, and the comparison feeds just uncertainty and, and envy and pride and all these emotions in us that are just not of the Lord. And so when it comes to all these things that we discuss, just um, ask yourself, what's the biblical principle? Proverbs thirteen twenty two says, Whoever spares the rod hates the son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Um, and that just goes to say here, like, if you love your child, um, you're going to look for the right way um, and, and seek the Lord in discovering the right way that's best to parent and the choice that might be right for him. And, you know, um, a, a choice for one child might, might not be the same choice for another child in your family. So you have to even amongst that discern what is best for that child in your family at that point. Um, at the end of the day, just do your best not to compare your kids to each other, each other, and each other. Um, it's, it's good to gain, um, hey, how are you handling the whole, like, my kids, I did this the other day. My two-year-old decided to crawl out of his crib at, like, one. He was almost two. She came over for us to um, review our talk together, and I put him down for a nap, and I kid you not, he's at the door. Mama, knock, knock. And I go, what did I put him in his crib? <laughs> and so I go in there and I put him in his crib again. And then we're sitting there and I, and he's back at the door. Not my mom. I'm like, no, he didn't, you know? And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, oh, so that afternoon I'm at the playground. I'm talking to my first sweet friend, Ashley and her little two year old also crawled out of the crib the same day. And I'm like, ah, and so we're discussing like, what are you going to do? Are you do the toddler better. Are you going to do that? You're like trying to just figure out like, he's not even, he's too like, I don't think I'm ready for a toddler bed. Like, what do I do? And, and so I'm pulling people, and some people are like, oh, get a, get a canopy and cover up the crib. And some people are like, oh, just let him crawl out. He won't break anything. He does, he'll learn. And, and other people are like, we let our kid crawl out of his crib for, for a year because we just didn't want to deal with it. And I'm like, oh, I like that. And so, you know, like, like you just, there's so many. And so that was good. Like, I was like, what are y'all doing? But at the end of the day, like, I chose, my husband and I chose, what was best for our family, we just left him in the crib and he claws out. Um, and I'm okay with that. You know, I'm good with that and it's fine. And there's no guilt or shame that needs to be associated with that. Um, another area we compare is the way that they dress or you dress them. Um, do you buy Janie and Jack or do you go to Walmart? Um, or that, do your kids look like they're out of the Gap catalog or do they dress themselves? My daughter dresses herself. And some days she looks like Punky Brewster times 10. And um, I'm not a better parent because I let her dress herself. And I'm not a better parent because um, my other son looks like he's from the catalog, uh, the cover of Under Armour magazine. Like, he is Mr. Like, all sports attire. And so I'm not a better mom or a worse mom because of the way my child dresses. Um, That's something we have to keep in mind um, whenever we're around each other. And also modesty in clothes. I mean... 
this is huge. And Holly talks about it a lot. Like, as they get older, what does that look like? Do they wear a bikini or a tankini or a one-piece? The length of their shorts and their dresses, um, the types of shirts they wear, spaghetti strap or not, and just all of that. You got, it starts... Um, it starts when they're one years old, y'all, having the conversations. It's not about do they get to wear a two-piece or not or a one-piece. It's, it's not about necessarily um, if your kid dresses themselves or if you dress them and you pick out Sundays I get to pick and Tuesdays and Thursdays because you're at school. Like, like those are great things to process. But at the end of the day, it's not about that. It's about the conversations with our children. Um, and it starts when they're one. It starts when they're little and they're in your arms. It's, hey, hi, hey, husband, what do you think about, about Callie what, swimwear? Like, what do you think that should look like? I mean, it's real funny when you see those chunky babies in those bikinis out there when they're one and a half and the rolls are spilling out everywhere. And it's hilarious. But are, are we going are, are to let that be okay in our family? And discovering and working together with your spouse, with wise counsel around you, um, seeking advice of others, and then discovering what are you okay with in your family, um, informed by God's word. Um, I just want to jump in for a second. And we're going to talk about specifically, right now we're talking about the different areas where we compare and we're in kids, but later we're going to talk about kind of what that manifests. And I think with kids, especially in the way they dress, it's two things. It's like you become prideful because you're at the grocery store and your child looks awesome and then you see somebody whose child, like, is in, like, their Halloween costume and it's got food all down the front of it. And then y'all is taking boogers. Uh, boogers and whatever. And, you're, and then you're like, oh, wow, what is up with that? I mean, you're suddenly, you know, making yourself feel better because someone else's child looks different than yours. And so that, that's kind of what you want to guard against. Like, are you getting your um, self-esteem from how your child dresses or... Um, are you becoming completely lax and undisciplined with them, and it's a free-for-all? So that's where you need to examine in this area. And like she said, we're going to get to some more examining here in a minute. Um, another area, behavior with our kids, that's an area that we compare. Um, and I think it's the most prevalent with the ages of our children, um, especially that, that preschool age. Um, and it has the most potential for danger um, and damage. Um, for instance, my, my little two-year-old, I mean... His um, brother had something, his older brother had something that he wanted, and he's, you know, tiny. He's 26 pounds, his brother's 60 pounds. And so he just, and just bit him, just bit him. And I was like, oh, okay, we're going to bite now, you know. And it's one of those things where, thank, by the Lord's grace, it was my third child. And so I wasn't like, whoa, my kid's a biter. What am I going to do and freak out? And I can't believe he did that because, honestly, I believe he did it. He's a sinner. Like, he wanted something, and he knew that he could not force it out of his brother's hand. So what did he do? He bit him because he could get it. Now, I'm not condoning that behavior, but I'm not shocked or appalled by my child's behavior. And so with behavior in children, especially at this age, um, we have to recognize that he's a sinner. Um, and I'm not going to let the shame, the, the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment to rule my heart and mind from that inst- instance. And our kids are going to sin, and we just pray that they get caught. I pray that I witness it so I, can, so I can train them, I can guide them, I can shepherd them through that moment. And when they're older and they're less in my care, um, I pray that they're caught at school. I pray that um, a friend calls them out if they're being a, a jerk. You know, I pray that for him, for them, so that we can then have the opportunity to, to shepherd and train their heart. Um, with behavior in our children, um, when we... Uh, focus too much and we allow the way our child acts to dictate 
our feeling of self-worth as a parent, whether that makes us feel bad or makes us feel good, that is where sin comes in. And we're going to talk about addressing that here in a little bit. Um, My sweet parents had uh, our three kids one weekend, and uh, my mom was just like, oh my goodness, they love each other and they share. And Parker was so helpful. And I mean, just sung praises to my sweet kids. And then my husband's grandmother emailed me after coming to her house several times. And she said, your house is always so well kept, your kids so well dressed and so well behaved. And I replied to both of them, that was by God's grace. Like, my kids, it is by God's grace, Mom, that my kids that day actually applied what we have been teaching in our home for so long and enforcing. Um, And you know what? I'm so glad that they did that for you to make your life a little easier that weekend. But know that my kids aren't perfect and they're going to sin. And sure enough, you know, I've had the most crazy discipline week and a half, two weeks, with all three of my children are just deciding to... Yes, revisit a lot of discipline conversations. So they are not perfect, y'all, and we can't derive our, our, our worth from that. Um, okay, working outside the home. I need to pick this up. Working outside the home. That is another area. Oh, what was that? That little picture thing? Yeah, here we go. Just because I disagree with your parent doesn't mean I think you're a bad parent. Great one. Okay, next point. Um, working outside the home. Um, I'm just going to read this because that will take less time. Um, If you judge other moms who work differently than you, stop it right now. Concluding that another woman's work should look like yours is like saying everyone should favor lasagna because you do. I mean, lasagna is delicious, but some girls just prefer fish. Some girls don't have any choice. We have diverse callings, families, circumstances, and goals that God alone knows how to manage. We're turning on our teammates when we draw these dividing lines. We're all serving the same coach. That's a quote from an author, Jen Hatmaker. Um, and I would just say to this topic, it's really easy to, you know, as you get in conversations with other women, what do you do? Do you stay home full-time? Do you work? Do you work part-time? Do you work in your home? Do you work outside your home? There's so many different flavors of that. Um, and, and what we need to caution ourselves against is judging others in their choices um, like, like she said here, we all have diverse callings and different circumstances. And we just, unless you're fully involved in someone's life, you might not know what's going on there. So to, to, so to derive pride or guilt out of your decision, um, or out of that comparison, man, we're just missing the boat. Um, some of us do need to ask ourselves, why are you working outside the home? Um, is it approval of man? Is it a lifestyle you're, you're trying to maintain? Is it finding value in a job title? Um, and some of us need to find more to do other than our kids. To be honest, some of us are stay-at-home moms and our kids are the center of our world. And um, that's just as caustic as um, being a parent that's not involved. Um, Some of you stay-at-home moms don't stay at home because you're out volunteering everywhere. Like you're out and about dragging your kids all over the place, spending all this time everywhere else trying to make use of your time. And all... Wow. Did I move? Sorry. All right. Um, I was just standing here. Wasn't I? Okay. Um, some of us, he was like, don't talk about that. Get back, Satan. Get back. Um, shove it away. What was that? We saying? prayed earlier for Satan um, to stay in the parking lot. So. We did. Wrap him up. Leave yep. him in the parking lot. Um, what was I saying? Oh, some of you moms, that's what he was getting me because of that. Um, some, of, some of us spend just too much time doing other things for other people. And we're dragging our kids all over. And ladies, it is a balance. Like, it is good for my kids to come up here with me and watch me set up this room and haul stuff all over the place and serve at this church. It is good for that. But if I was doing that three days a week, 
that would not be good, right? So there's a balance. I and mean, we've got to find a balance um, in that. So, Holly? I think the pitfall in that. My goodness. Okay. I'm sorry, y'all. What is it? Me? No. All right, am I good? Do you want her to go to this? Yes, please. Oh, man, y'all, that's painful. Hello? There. Okay, is this better? <laughs> wow. All right. Um, so I want to tag on to Alice. I think the, the deal with working or staying at home is really you need to analyze that for yourself. You need to talk to your husband about that. But mainly, if you're taking pride because you're a stay-at-home mom or you're looking down on stay-at-home moms, then you really need to give yourself a check on that. So we're not saying one is right and one is wrong. Mm-hmm. We're just like, what is it cultivating in you? Mm-hmm. All right, so now we're going to look at um, our home and kind of how that is such a huge area of comparison, especially in Dallas when um, we have all the bigger, better, better zip codes, better school systems, and all that kind of stuff. So you can get caught up in comparison of um, your home size, the decor, the location. And really, until you watch HGTV, you think your home is great. But then when you uh, turn on HGTV, you see better homes and gardens. I mean, they call it better homes and gardens for a reason, ladies. They're not going to put a shack in there. Um, You think your house is great. So some of us, I would just say in that area, you need to, if that's really a struggle for you, then what are you going to do in that area? You're going to, I mean, are you going to open houses and then leaving feeling discontent? Do you leave a friend's house for a play date and then all of a sudden feel bad? Or are you envious or jealous of her because she has a playroom and you don't, or they have a backyard and you don't, or they have a swimming pool or, or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, Allison has an, an example she wants to share about oh. the, the the feeling of discontentment oh, yeah. from a house. Um, we we moved into our house, uh, like we moved into our house, and it was greatly and the structure was really good, but it was somewhat outdated. And we had hoped to um, update the kitchen because it was very outdated, and there was also some mold and just some like it didn't flow very well. And uh, some of you are going to be thinking that that's like. This is your biggest problem. Oh, my, with all the technical stuff today. Um, Okay, some of you might be thinking, like, okay, this is your biggest problem, and so it's not my biggest problem, but it was something that the Lord used. And so, um, anyways, but things happened. Our air conditioner broke, and all these other things happened that took all the money that we had to make our kitchen um, nicer. And so, um, you know, two and a half years later, and, I mean, y'all, I'm not kidding. It was gross. Like, the Lord revealed in me, like, like just grossness and that like I just I hated going into my kitchen I hated cooking in it it didn't flow right there was some stink in it from some mold on the wall that drove me crazy but like it was just not pretty and I didn't enjoy it and y'all I struggled with contentment in that like two years I had a kitchen I had running water and y'all one time my sweet little boy he walked in and I guess I was grumbling and shoving cabinets around or something and um my little boy was like mom I love our kitchen and I was like you are you reading my mind right now? And it's like, what do you mean you love our kitchen? And he's like, it has all the food I ever wanted. And I'm like, praise the Lord. You like the God just spoke through you to my heart because we had all the food. We can win more than enough food, right? We can feed so many people in our home. And we did. And I feel like the Lord until my heart grew content 
and satisfied in my discontent, um, we, we didn't have the funds to do that. And so it, it took time. And I feel like the Lord um, wanted me to learn that lesson before we were able um, to change some things in there. So that was my story. So I think the point is, I mean, in Dallas, it's super easy to get mm. caught up in where you're living and looking at someone else's and it cultivate all kinds of feelings in you. Or if you happen to be, you know, in your dream house right now, you could become prideful because you have a better place than other people. So really, again, just kind of a gut check where you are. All right. The next category we're going to talk about is appearance. And I think, I mean, again, we live in Dallas. It's like full of beautiful people. And um, I would say to you, if you're going to compare yourself, compare yourself to yourself. Like, what is it that you do? You, how is it that you feel good? How, a healthy weight, a healthy appearance, um, physically fit. Don't look to other people to, um, to validate your appearance. There's always going to be somebody around you who's thinner or more fit or better dressed or something like that. And I would say it's really important at y'all's stages when you have little kids to not start doing wacky stuff, like um, weird diets and all these kind of things, especially if you have girls, can really just set some bad examples for them. And the same thing with exercise. I know y'all are laughing. You're probably like, I don't have time to exercise. But um, some people go crazy on that. So just be thinking about... um, what you do and the example that you're setting for your children on that. And it's super easy, um, I think. And, and as you get older, your body is going to change. And any of you that have had children know that for sure. But just trust me, as you uh, eke on up there in the years, your body changes. It's not going to be the same. So just becoming uh, content with where you are, how the Lord made you, rejoicing in that, uh, keeping yourself uh, fit so that you can uh, do his work is what's important and not um, trying to please man other than your husband. Um, so that that's kind of uh, the area of appearance. Yeah, um, and move, next category, um, marriages, um, husbands, spouses. Another area that, that is easy to um, compare ourselves is, um, you know, do you go on date nights? And is it once a week or once a month? Is it at home? Is it at a restaurant? Um, do, do, do you organize it or does your husband organize it? Um, do you get sitters um, or do you use family members or roles? Like who gets up with the baby when they wake up at 6 a.m.? Um, who puts the babies down? Who gets up with them in the middle of the night? Um, and then who cooks the meals? And who um, picks up the meals after the other one's cooked? You know, like there's all these different roles. Who, how you celebrate family events, birthdays, Christmases, um, exchanging gifts, anniversaries, and vacations you go on. Um, do you and your husband get away for a glorious seven-day vacation, or do you once a year, or do you get away every two or three years for a night? Um, and and it's just different for everyone. Um, and we can find ourselves discontent when we look at what others do. Um, I think of. Uh, we can find ourselves discontent whenever we compare ourselves to others. Um, my my sweet husband, he's here, and I get to use this story, and he's here. Um, so my our good friends and us both had our third baby at the same time. Um, and so we were both in the um, market for a, the next bigger car because our cars didn't hold the car seats. And um, my husband is wired in a way. Um, he is... All of, he wants to buy a car once every 10 years. Um, he wants to spend the least amount of money 
but on the maintenance, the ongoing maintenance, like he doesn't want to spend a lot of money to maintain that car for those 10 years. So low gas mileage, new-ish, not new, but new-ish. Um, he's looking for a 10-year purchase. And so we're talking efficiency. We're talking what's going to work best for our family and meet our needs. Um, my other friend's husband, um, he is about, I'm going to make a purchase for two years, max. So I'm looking for, I have X amount of money to spend, and I want the best deal I can find. And so we roll around, and he surprises her with this gorgeous black Escalade because they, and he was looking for a deal, and he found a deal, and it had a lot of miles on it, but he didn't care about that. He cared more about, he wanted a deal, and he's going to sell it in two years, and he had a certain amount of money, and that's what he could spend. Then, then my husband, we, we got a minivan, and, and, and those of you driving, we all drive, a lot of us drive minivans. Like, I love my minivan. I like my minivan. It's no big deal. Like, it's a minivan. It gets me from to and from. But at the end of the day, like, it just wasn't exactly what I wanted. Um, I would have rather the Escalade, to be real honest and authentic here. But, but my husband is wired the way that he is, and you know what? It is good for our family. Um, I still can pile a crap load of kids in the back of my car and tow them all around, and I don't have to worry about my kids dinging at other doors because my doors go like this, you know? So it's fine. Um, but at the end of the day, I could look down on my husband the way God uniquely wired him and uniquely gifted him for our family, for our children to lead our family. He, he, he gifted him that way. And if I compare him to my other friend's husband, then I am just missing out on a blessing from the Lord um, when we do that. And so um, don't touch the thing. Um, and just again, another area, and we're going to talk more about what to do with those feelings of discontentment in a minute. Go to the next one. Okay, and then I, I have a story on the whole husband thing, oh, too. yeah, yeah. Um, when we were newly married, we had some friends, and I would go over to, or we would go over to their house, and on the refrigerator would be all these love notes that her husband had written to her. I love you so much. You're this most amazing wife. You're so beautiful, whatever. And I'm like, you know, what do you think I thought? I'm like, why are there no notes on my fridge? What is up with you? Well, um, later I found out that there was a reason there were notes on the fridge, and that was because he had been unfaithful. And he was writing those notes in an effort to make up for what he had done. And so, woo, big lesson, lesson. I am so happy with my no notes on my fridge. Um, and it's, my husband is just wired differently. So I would just, to Allison's point, you need to celebrate um, your husband that God gave you and the differences that he has. My husband um, is super busy at work. Um, it, and I, it, for a while, we've got the whole date night thing. When you have little kids, I would get all my feelings hurt that he didn't plan a date for us and get a sitter. And then finally I had this reality check. It's like, if you want to have a date, then you need to get the sitter and you need to plan it and you need to put it on the calendar instead of just, um, being upset and irritated that he, that we didn't have a date. Like that's okay. He, he has a, a different type of job than other people. My other example, we had a next-door neighbor when my kids were really little, and her husband came home like every afternoon at 4 o'clock. And so he would get the kids, and he would take them to the park, and I'm still in the backyard in that terrible witching hour. Right, They're, they're, they're tired, and you, you need to cook food, but you can't cook food because they're cranky. And then I would be, all of a sudden be mad at my husband because he wasn't like the husband next door who was home, and that was just wrong. So I would just say... Um, celebrate your husband for who he is and be content in your circumstances and don't compare to the, to the, um, the, the other husband that you think is doing something great. Just be content where you are. 
All right, we are going to talk about spiritual comparison right now. And I think of all the the areas we talk about, I think this is probably the absolute ugliest, that we would somehow feel better about ourselves because we're more spiritual than someone else or that we would look down on someone because we don't think they're as spiritual as we do. And so what what does this really look like? What looks like where you worship? Like, do you go to a big contemporary church like Watermark or do you go to like a very traditional small church um, that's a denomination that's been around for forever and ever. Um, how do you worship? Contemporary service or traditional service? Um, do you as a family have family uh, worship and devotional time? Um, do you pray as a family? Do you, do you pray as a couple? Do you keep some kind of prayer journal? Do you do uh, scripture memory uh, yourself? Do you do scripture memories? A couple do you do scripture memory uh, with your children? Um, and, and just the, the ugliness for when you take pride in um, how spiritual you are. My example for that is when my kids were really little, I was with a friend and we were at the uh, swimming pool and this mom struck up this conversation with us and she said, do you let your kids watch TV? And we were like, well, yeah, I mean, we let them watch, you know, Clifford or Little Bear or something like that. And she goes, oh, my children only watch VeggieTales and only when they're sick. And we're like, okay, thank you for sharing that with us. And it's like, so we are leaving like, oh my gosh, we're terrible parents. We're letting them watch Clifford and Little Bear. And then as I've thankfully gotten older and I've matured, I realized it was like, that was was really ugly on her part to take pride in the fact that her kids only watched VeggieTales and they were sick. It's like, who cares? Really? I mean, so just guard yourself on that. Um, And you need to ask yourself all these things. And I think it's really easy. You can go to programs like this one and you can leave like, okay, we must have a family devotional. We must have a date night. You must take our daughter on a date. You must do all these things. But you need to ask yourself, why are you doing these things? Are you doing these things to just check the box? Are you doing uh, these things to really uh, teach your children a love uh, for the Lord? Are you having a memorized scripture so that you can tell your friends, my children are memorizing scripture? Or are you really trying to hide God's word in their heart? So are you making little Pharisees out of them? Or are you really uh, teaching them and training them up? And so Allison has a great example about oh, I just, music. We were talking about this. Um, you know, the Cedarmont Kids and the Seeds Family Worship and all those albums. Um, one of them I bought because a, a mother that I looked up to recommended it. And, y'all, I couldn't do it. It was like nails on a crock chalkboard. It was these little kids... And their little kid whiny voices singing these great songs. But it just ruined it for me. Like, I could not do it. And so my kids, we jam out to Tadashi. Um, we jam out to some other, other meth- they listen to the, if you don't know what Tadashi is, it's a rap Christian person. Um, and we listen to, you know, Shane and Shane. And, and we listen to other methods. And we do have Seeds Family Worship. I do love it. Um, but I just couldn't do it. And I had friends. That's all they listen to in their cars. And I'm like, y'all, it was, I just couldn't do it. And, and so we do. We jam out to make war, and we jam it out, and um, it's a ton of fun. And my kids are still hiding Scripture and hiding God's Word in their heart because it's all informed by God's Word. But that doesn't make Allison a better mom because she does that or a worse mom yeah, because she exactly. doesn't listen to Cedar Monk. can't kids, do it. So. Um, all right, another example of spiritual comparison would be community groups. And, and if you go to church here, you know that's a big deal. And I think sometimes we can really... Um, get ourselves caught up in that. It's one thing to ask other people, like, how does your community group operate? Do you meet as couples? Do you meet as men? Do you meet as women? How often? What do you do? Um, But then it's another one to somehow feel guilt or shame 
or pride because your community group does something different. Like I know groups where the women text each other like a scripture and what they've learned every single morning. I was like, that is awesome. But that is also not biblical that you have to do that. So you need to, to check yourself. You know, are you feeling prideful because you think you're somehow more spiritual or are you feeling guilt and shame because you're not doing something that someone else is doing? All right, the next area of comparison is personality, and that's really just how God has wired us. And I think um, I talked a few years ago on Mary versus Martha, and I'm really a Martha. I really have a hard time being a Mary and sitting still. And somehow, or sometimes I can get really prideful because, like, I have my checklist, I get it done, I'm very organized, I know what's for dinner, and all this stuff. But, like, that is just wrong. That is prideful on my part. And so I would just encourage you to celebrate the way God made you. Not all of us are Marthas. There's a lot of Marys. And I am so thankful for you Marys out there because you helped me slow down and reflect. Um, And you need to just um, learn from each other. But you don't need to feel prideful because you're one way or make someone else have guilt and shame because they're not wired exactly exactly. the way that you are. And the, the scripture for that is Psalm one thirty nine fourteen. I praise you because I am wonderfully and fearfully made. And the Lord made you. He made you the way you are. Um, so just celebrate that and don't feel ashamed because you're not like someone else or be prideful because you think you're better than them. Um, financial situations. That's another area where um, we can compare ourselves to one another. And there are so many details to everyone's financial situation. Um, I just be cautious in how you view other situations because it's going to impact your attitude on your own. Um, there's an article that's referenced in your resource guide. Um, the Dennis Forum, Dennison Forum, he wrote this. I'm going to just read the excerpt. Um, Scripture warns that people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. That's 1 Timothy 6.9. Why? Because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Um, and he, he talks about this one guy, William Post III. He won $16.2 million in Pennsylvania in 1998 in the lottery. Within three months, he was $500,000 in debt, um, and his brother was arrested for hiring a hitman to kill him. He concluded, I was much happier when I was broke. And now that's a very extreme case. But comparing our financial situation um, is just another slippery slope. It's a big red flag if you look at what other people might have or what they're able to do. Um, the vacations they can have or, or um, the cars they drive or the clothes they wear or the, how many activities they put their kids in, et cetera. Um, I just, man, rave the red flag. Just, ooh, like that is just so slippery because what happens is then that breeds discontentment. Um, you no longer are thankful for the Lord and what he has done for your family um, how he has provided for your family, and you grow dissatisfied and discontent, um, and you forget what he has done. Matthew uh, 25, um, 14 through 30 is a huge chunk of scripture, um, but I'm not to save time. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there's a point in there. He says, uh, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. The point is, y'all, is that. Um, like we have been given what we have been given and it is our job to steward what we have been given well um, and to be grateful and to be content and thankful for what we have. And when we compare ourselves to other situations, um, 
I don't know about you, but that breeds in me just discontentment for where we at, where we are. And let's be honest, we're rich in America compared to most of the world. And some people I know get irritated by that that statement, um, but we do have so much more than many, many, many other people in this world. Um, media is another area, specifically social media, where I think we can um, draw comparisons. Um, and I would say social media, it's destroying motherhood. Um, I mean, these Instagrams and Facebook whatevers of you and the perfect craft and um, your perfectly jimbery dressed children Christmas card and um, and the things you put out, like we put out there, like we need to guard our hearts against that stuff. Um, some of us need to delete our, our accounts <laughs> because they either we either look at our friends with envy or we're pridefully sharing what we're up to. Um, if you, I think this is, I took this from Desi maybe last month. She spoke in May on this. I think she said this. If you find yourself sucked into the idol of comparison, coveting someone else's perfect life on social media, remember that they are not likely posting their difficult moments. You're only seeing the good times and not the trials. And if you continue to be drawn in, take a break for a while, maybe a week, maybe a month. Remember to set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's in Colossians 3.1. Um, this chapter goes on to teach us that peace comes through gratitude and prayer. Um, I'd, I'd also point out Matthew six twenty two: the eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. Um, but if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. Um, that, that goes with all media, what you ingest, um, the, the TV shows, the movies. Um, I don't know if you play video games, but like what you ingest, the social media, I think is really big, the blogs, all that kind of stuff. Um, we just have to be careful. Like, I think those things are great. I, I did it the other day. Here's my sweet two-year-old on his second birthday. Love him. Like, I think it's great to put that out there. Um, obviously I'm not against it, but we just have to guard against when, um, if seeing what other people are doing is messing with our, our place, all right, our heart's posture. Um, yeah, be sensitive to each other. Also, I would say, know your audience. So if you are active on social media, just check yourself. Why, why are you posting what you're posting? Are you, um, are you prideful in that? Um, Colossians 4, 6, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so just make sure your conversations, the things you're putting out there, are seasoned uh, with grace, always full of grace. Okay. All right. Um... See where we are. All right. Not all comparison is bad. So we've just gone through all these different ways we compare, and we've told you how to be careful about that. But sometimes comparison can be a good thing. Um, One example that's kind of prevalent in my life right now is um, what you need to do to get into college. To get into colleges, you need to have a certain grade point average. You need to have an SAT or an ACT score of a certain level. Why do you have? Why do they have that? Because not every school is good for every child. Example, like as much as I would love for my son to go to Harvard, not really. Um, he's not going to be a good candidate for Harvard because he does not have the test scores and the GPA to be successful there. So that's when. Uh, comparison, like if you compare him to students who've been successful at Harvard, he would not be a good candidate. So sometimes comparison can be good. Yeah, and like my little buddy, uh, my two-year-old, um, he, you know, those questionnaires, the pediatric questionnaires you fill out at the different, you know, months or whatever. Um, you know, his speech was behind, and he had some hearing problems, and we had had, you know, a series of seven months of ear infections, and so that informed us to go down the, the tube route and get hearing tests, and, and like without a barometer of that nature, like to go, huh, okay, he is a bit behind, huh, okay, let's see, yeah, yeah, he's not failing hearing tests, like if I compared him to other two-year-olds, 
um, or the comparison, the, the, t- the little form that they had you fill out, that this is kind of in general what your child should be doing, that was good. It helped us to catch something and then make some changes so he can then hear better and therefore start speaking better. But the pitfall of that would be, for example, if I was uh, boasting that my son's SAT score was better than your your child's SAT score yeah. and taking pride in that, um, it's when the comparison results in sin that we have a problem. And so that's what we're going to look at now, our sinful comparison results. And Allison's going to start with guilt. Yeah. So we, we said guilt and shame a lot here. Um, and so I'm going to define that for you. Um, guilt says, I made a mistake. Shame says, I am a mistake. Um, and so um, as you're, you're making decisions for your family and you're figuring out what to do, as you compare yourself to others and you're trying to, you know, if it produces a, man, I just, I really messed up. Um, and it produces in you, like, I'm a mistake, like, I'm a failure of a mother, and, man, my kids would be better without me. Um, that, that's not of the Lord. Um, that, that's just not of him. In Second Corinthians 7, 10 through 11, um, it says, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. And so let, let me unpack that a little bit. Um, when you make a mistake, and, and you will, and your children will, and you're going to make a parenting mistake. Um, does it produce repentance? Repentance is about face. I'm, I'm doing this, and I'm now going to turn, okay, wow, totally. Just the other day, I had this conversation with my community group. Like, my oldest child is just struggling to go to school in the morning and just dragging his feet, and, and I was like, man, I am not nailing this. Like, I lost my temper. I got angry. I'm threatening him like if you don't get your shoes on now it's gonna be a spanking and and I'm letting him do that eight times and and I'm just not I I just ah I just totally I totally botched that frankly and so I go to my community I'm like hey blah this is what's happening what do I do and they reminded me that God's grace is sufficient that his grace abounds that he has forgiven that but now let's put this in place remember don't threaten remember Set the standard the night before, read him scripture, teach him, remind him of what he, his expectations should be, and then more if he doesn't do it, follow through with the appropriate discipline, and we discussed what that would look like. So, so that kind of repentance, that's what that means. Like, okay, uh, dang it, I totally screwed that up. God forgives me. I asked forgiveness from my son, and we set a course, and we went the other direction. That's what that is. Um, but sorrow that leads you down the path of guilt and shame just leads to death. I've got to read... I'm going to awkwardly open this up real quick. Um, there's a, um, a link in your resource packet for what I'm about to read from. The whole thing is fabulous. Our very own Alicia wrote this. Um, she's one of our table leaders. Um, she has this great blog, and she wrote about um, the no-guilt mommy. And I'm going to start halfway. I just have to capture this for you all. One of the best things my sweet mom told me was to not feel guilty. I just had my second child 22 months after my first, and after six months of complete bed rest during pregnancy, the last thing I wanted to do was turn the television on for my almost two-year-old while I nursed my infant. But I remember how she looked at me so tenderly, knowing the vulnerable hormonal mess that I was. She hugged me and then gave me a gift, freedom. She told me, use the TV if you need to. Don't feel bad. You have to survive the stage. And sometimes you have to do what you have to do. They won't remember it, and it won't affect them. In that precious moment, my load was lightened and a taste of freedom for this weary mama. Um, I know my mother wasn't perfect. I know there were times that she had to use a television or other less-than-ideal means to survive the chaos. But guess what? I love her. I think she 
was and is a great mother, and I never felt deprived. I always knew she loved me so much and still does, and now I appreciate it even more. Um, do we have a, yeah, look at that. From Mommy Guilt to Mommy Grace. Y'all, like, this is what this is about. Like, like guilt that produces the, the uh, like, I'm terrible, I'm a horrible mom, and the shame, and all that comes from it. Um, that is not of the Lord. We have got to remind ourselves that God died for that. Like, like God, Jesus died for that. Like, he covered that grace and bounds. And we have to switch gears and remind ourselves of that grace and be free from the guilt of, oh, I turn on the TV on again. My kids just watch two movies and they're not even sick. Like, we've got to, you know, we've got to just, again, about face. Okay, mm, chalk that one up to just a terrible day. Forgive me, Lord, and tomorrow it's a new day and we have a new strategy and we move forward. Um, so are you suffering from mommy guilt? Where and why? It's a question to ask yourself. Okay, we're moving um, from guilt to envy and jealousy. Uh, envy is a feeling of discontentment or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. A feeling of discontentment because of God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring it in your own. It is really ugly. Um, a great scripture for that is James 3.16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So I would ask you, and we've talked about... Um, Envy in a lot of, you know, people's houses, their kids, their kids' behavior, um, what other people have that you don't have. Are you jealous of someone or something someone else has? Just do a, do a gut check and, and analyze that. Um, the next area is anxiety. And I think as moms, unless you really are abiding with Christ, it is super easy to get anxious about everything, really. Um, but especially your kids. And the great scripture, I think, for that is Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so I would just say um, anxiety, um, it just ro- it robs you of contentment because it's a, first of all, it's a giant time waster. And worrying really doesn't do anything. So um, I think about re- the recent Ebola outbreak and how that caused so much anxiety in so many people. And I don't know about you, but if you look back at how much time we, we consumed with finding out where it was and who had it and what we needed to do and how is this going to affect us and all that stuff, that's time that's gone that we can never get back. And so I would say, especially if you're somebody who struggles with anxiety, um, do you really believe God's in control? Do you believe he has a plan for you? Do, do you believe that he loves you and he wants your best? Um, anxiety robs you of contentment. And so if this is an area for you, I would encourage you to confess it to someone that can help you with that and hold you accountable and to take ground in that area. And the other thing um, I think, too, sometimes when we're anxious, our, as women, we're you know very... Um, we love our friends and we love to talk about stuff. It's like, are you, if you're anxious, are you running immediately to your phone to text someone or text your community group or whatever? Or are you first turning to God? Lord, I am anxious. I am worried. Please, you know, give me wisdom. Help me through this. I just encourage you to turn those anxious thoughts into prayer. Um, and if, if anxious, you might, if you're like me, you're like, I'm not anxious. I'm not an anxious person. I don't feel stressed. But I actually learned quite a bit of deal of anxiety and anxiousness um, over the last year. And, and for me, like, when I go to bed and I can't go to bed, like, my mind is just, whether it's a to-do list 
or a true issue that I'm anxious about, a conversation I'm anxious about, or or an event I'm anxious about. Like if I can't turn my head off and put my, when my head goes on that pill and the lights go out and I can't shut down my brain, my self-talk, that's probably a good sign that there's some anxiety in there. Um, so just, if you're like me, you'd be like, I'm not anxious, that doesn't apply to me. But it does if that's what you're thinking, um, like me. Um, ungratefulness and dissatisfaction, that's another um, uh, kind of sinful response to comparison that can come out of us. Um, Obviously, that means not feeling or showing gratitude or a lack of satisfaction. First uh, Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Um, Proverbs 27.20 says, Just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. Y'all, here's the deal. Um, comparison is a thief of all joy. So when we, we compare to each other, it, it, we, if we allow it to, we don't have to let it, but when we allow comparison to steal our joy, um, God, we're missing the mark, you know? Um, be grateful for where you are today, what you have today, and how you're doing today. Gratitude generates contentment and prevents contempt. Um, so when we... We see opportunities when opportunities present themselves to compare and look down on ourselves or to look too highly of ourselves to others. Um, it can produce dissatisfaction. And y'all, at the end of the day, like, it's never going to be enough. Like, $1,000 more a month is never going to be enough. $5,000 more a month is never going to be enough. Like, I remember thinking um, we were moving. We sold our house quickly but hadn't found a house. So we're in an apartment for a month. And my husband was working crazy hours, and the move was, was mostly on my shoulders. Um, we had two little ones. It was cray-cray, y'all. It was so crazy and so busy. And I just remember going, oh, I just want a nap. If I could just get a nap, if I could just have another, if I could have a coffee IV, like, oh, then, then I would have the energy to do this all, right? But in the end, there's this song by uh, Patrick Ryan Clark, You, and he says, um, I don't need anything more than you. I don't need a nap. I don't need more coffee. I don't need um, a house instead of this apartment. Like, I don't need anything more than you. Um, because, y'all, it's just going to, I mean, we're going to be grow dissatisfied. Like, we will. Like, if you're thinking, if I just had X, Y, Z, then, whew, um, but at the end of the day, I guarantee you when you get X, Y, Z, you're still going to go back and find a way to be dissatisfied in that. You wish it was a different color or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. Are you modeling? So the question, ask yourself, are you modeling gratefulness for your kids? Um, what words does your husband hear when he gets home? Ugh, can just take these kids. They're killing me. Or is it, hey, honey, how was your day? Yeah, mine was kind of rough, too. I'm good. Go take a ten minute break, mommy break in my room. You know, close the doors. I need some. Or are you, you know, are you are you are you grumbling? Are you complaining? Are you ungrateful, um, etc. Ask yourself: Are you modeling greatness, gratefulness for your kids? Okay. The next one is pride and arrogance, um, defined as a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing conduct, etc. Um, so some scripture on that Proverbs sixteen eighteen. pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall Isaiah two eleven. human pride will be brought down and human arrogance will be humbled only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment First John 2 1 for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the father but it is from the world 
So pride and arrogance. Um, that can translate as simply as um, I am prideful because I'm going through the grocery store. My children are sitting in the grocery cart. They are not standing up. They are not begging for things. I am not having to stick a lollipop in their mouth. Um, I would say, um, and it starts when they're little, like you have a baby that's quiet and perfect. Someone else doesn't have a baby. And all of a sudden you start thinking highly of yourself um, more than you should. And that is your children get older, their accomplishments get bigger. Um, so it goes from like, he's a perfect baby who doesn't cry to he knows all his letters and he knows his numbers. And then it's he, you know, scored three goals in the soccer game or he got into six colleges or whatever. So if you are the parent that is constantly bragging about your child, uh, you could potentially be being prideful and arrogant and you're teaching your children the same thing. So just definitely guard against that. And it's, uh, also you need to teach your children. Not everyone is going to be, to get a trophy, teach them. They aren't going to be the best at everything and to be able to celebrate other, uh, other kids successes. We've seen this when they're really little. It, I mean, that, the time to teach that is when they're really little because it gets really ugly when they get older and someone has a great accomplishment, like they get a scholarship or they, um, get into a great college and then your child is still waiting. Like it's really ugly when you see your child, like not even turn to their friend and say, congratulations, or I'm so happy for you. So you start modeling that now when they're little. Um, and, and also if your child's the one who gets the scholarship or whatever, teach them humility and not to be boast or to be prideful in something that probably is a gift that came from the Lord in the first place. And Allison has an example. I just thought of this. Um, my, all this is in school, and they do this, like, it's called Accelerated Reader. It's this program to encourage more reading. Anyways, you read extra books outside of school, and you go to the library, and you take a little two-minute test or whatever, and you're in points, and they get rewarded, and it's really exciting for them um, when they're in first grade. And so anyways, my son, we were there doing one, and this little first grader in his class sits down next to him, and she logs on, and she has, like, 500 points. She has, like, all these points. And then Parker logs in, and he's like looks at her and then he's all his little flower goes up and it says he has 13.1 points you know and she looks and he they're both kind of looking at each other and and she's like oh first grader oh that's not that many and he's all like that's a lot congratulations and I'm like I'm over here going are you kidding me like stop looking at each other and don't look at my kid like that and like he's been working really hard for these 13.1 points you know like it's a really big deal and so it's just, again, like the comparison that's there and like she, that little girl, she was really excited. I mean, she has a ton of points and that's great. Let's, let's celebrate that. But it's good for my child to see like, hey, you're not the best. Like, like there's people that are doing better than you and, and that's okay. Like we need to be humble enough and grateful for what we've been able to do and, um, and not feel bad because someone has more because someone's always going to have more, Right. Yeah, I mean, comparison is all around you. It is, you. It's basically unavoidable, and it's going to happen at every stage in life. It's just what are you going to do with it? And if you have one of these areas, like if, if, if comparison causes you to envy or causes you to be prideful or causes you to feel guilt and shame, the question is what are you going to do with it now? And that's what we're going to talk about now is the freedom uh, that you have in Christ and ab- what abiding with him can give you in this area of comparison. In this area of comparison, yeah. This is probably my um, 
if I could have y'all here and take anything, is it's what's about to be discussed. Um, because all of this that we've talked about, like, we're setting the stage, right? We're, we're setting the, the stage here for y'all. Like, we want to show you, like, how we, because some of you might go, I don't really compare. And hopefully now you go, oh, yeah, I compare. <laughs> like, we hope we've given you enough examples, enough information to go, yeah, there's just a lot, like, a lot of decisions in parenthood, and, and I do compare, and oh, it has caused some envy and maybe some ungratefulness, and oh, I need to check myself on that. Like, and so now we want to go, okay, what now? Like now that we recognize, mm, I kind of I do envy other people's financial situations, or I, I struggle with my house because it's not like that HGTV show that I watched. Um, yeah, the first step in finding freedom from all of this um, the sinful reactions to the comparison, the first step in finding that freedom is we have to choose contentment. Um, Philippians 4, um, if you have a Bible or, or you have it on your app, you can open it. I'm going to read it to you. Um, it's referenced in your resource guide, although it's not listed out. Um, Philippians 4, Philippians is like my personal favorite book of the Bible. Um, i got to read this. Okay, so Philippians 4.10, um, right? Yeah. Um, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Now that I, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Um, That verse was on my letter jacket in high school. I was that person. And it is not like, I can go and score all the goals because Christ gives me strength. That verse is better written. Um, I can find, because it comes on the, the feet. It comes on the feet of, hey, in plenty and in want and need and in prosperity. Like, it comes on the heels of that. Then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What he is saying is, I can find contentment in all things because of him who gives me the strength to do so. Um, do you see that difference? It was, it was a light for me when I read that. Um, contentment is an inner peace that external circumstances cannot alter. Um, your external circuit cannot alter it. Contentment is sacrificially laying down your dissatisfaction and replacing it with gratitude. You can be satisfied in your tears. You can be, find contentment through your disappointments. Your spirit can feel full in the midst of need. Jesus offers satisfaction and want when our deficiencies threaten to overwhelm us, in plenty when our abundance can inflame our greed, and in suffering when our losses are just to despair. Um, now, it doesn't mean that we're void of emotion. Um, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head. It doesn't mean we're void of emotion while in need. Um, you might be um, you know, suffering. You might be just in want. There's something that you... You're desiring, and it's just not happening, or a child that's not responding the way you want him to respond, and, and you feel like you've exhausted all your resources, and you're just kind of stuck in it. Um, contentment doesn't mean you're void of emotions. You can still be sad. You can still be hurt. You can still be dissatisfied. Um, however, you still choose to trust Christ and find contentment in him. Um, in Acts 22, Paul and Silas get thrown in the prison um, in jail, and there they in in that um, in Acts, what what they say is they got thrown in jail, and then they erupted in worship. Um, they started praising God. Paul and Silas hungered to praise God, 
more than to feel good. They didn't want to be in jail. Who would want to be in jail? But they're like, hey, I'm in jail. I'm going to still praise God because I don't know what else to do, right? But praise God. And so they worship through that fear, through knowing, um, knowing God had called them to that place. They hungered for their father, and he satisfied them in their chains. If, if you find yourself dissatisfied and, and, and discontent and, and just there's something out there that you still are just praying fervently for and it's not happened or something small, um, we can still choose to be um, content because of what Christ has done for us. Like he is our answer. Like in our, our suffering, in our despair, in our whatever, in our tears, we can find contentment because it says, I can find contentment in him in all things through him who gives me the strength to do so. He is our contentment. Choose contentment. Okay, so kind of what do, what do we do with all this that we've talked about today? And what, what's, what are the takeaways for today? So the first thing we want you to think about or, and to do is to celebrate the good. Like what, what areas that we've talked about, and I say this, don't do this in a prideful sense, but like maybe God has really uh, softened your heart or put you in a place of humility. Like what areas um, do you not struggle in? Like maybe you're super content with your appearance and 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 your and your body, or maybe you're really... Uh, in a good place in your marriage, or you're totally, your, your home is not an issue. So think about areas where you're, you're really doing good or where you've taken ground. And next. Oh, and then the next step is confess the ugly. Um, so the things that you're like, oh, that got me, you know, today, and you're jotting down, circling, highlighting, underlining, like those things, um, confess that. Um, first, the Lord. Um, and take some time and just whatever you do to do that, like confess that to the Lord. And then, um, you know, people in your life that are, are walking the same path, the road that you're on headed towards Christ, their life is informed by scripture, by God's word. Um, the people in your life that are, are trusted advisors, um, bring them in. And if you go to Watermark, we call those, we're in community groups, so there's also informal, just friends you have. Um, people that you know that, are, that are, are going the same way that you are with the same kind of fervor, um, confess that to them. There's healing. There's great healing that comes from um, confessing. When I was, um, I was at a, a season where I just really struggled with body image, like it really, everything from the mannequins at the mall and the way they looked in those jeans to the like magazines and the clothes and my friends and, you know, they breastfeed and they like melt away and I don't, I gain weight when I breastfeed, you know, and, and, you know, like all that, like I just was struggling with that. And man, when I started confessing those thoughts to my community group girls, when I started saying, Hey, I just really looked at my body today and I didn't like it. And I thought it was ugly and terrible. And I told, I self-talked that a whole lot today. Like when I started confessing that and getting out there, there was massive amounts of freedom just by getting it out there. So confess the ugly stuff. Okay. And the, the next part of that is clean house. So if you have an area that you're really struggling with, let's say, say it's your home. So stay off Pinterest for a month. Don't read any more magazines, real simple, better homes and gardens, whatever that is. Uh, don't go to open houses. Um, if you have, let's say you have, you are jealous because someone has something you don't have. They have a playroom, they have a big backyard and they're your friend. Tell them, you know, it is really, I really struggle when I come to your house because you have things I don't have. I mean, I think as hard as that is, I think getting that out there in the open, you help your friend become more sensitive to you. And you can, you can also, she can encourage you to take ground in that. Um, I also talked about accountability. Who's in the boat with you, helping you with your struggle. Um, 
And in that, uh, Proverbs 15, 31 through 32, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. So surround yourself with women who can spur you on and encourage you um, towards Christ. And then what we want to leave you with today and the theme of the nest this year is abiding in Christ. And um, I thought this was perfect. Paul um, in Galatians, Galatians 5, 16 through 26, he's writing to the churches in Galatia and it's um, living by the spirit's power. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not be conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So, um, Allison, I definitely want to say, if there's anyone here who does not know Christ, if you do not have the Holy Spirit, please come see us. That is, we want you to abide with Christ. If you are struggling in that area, please come see us afterwards. That would be our um, pleasure, our Mm pleasure. Great joy to talk to you about that. And to close this out, we're going to spend just a few minutes watching um, this quick video. The last thing we wanted y'all to do is to walk away here today just going, man, I, I suck. You know, I, I envy everyone's house, and my kids don't behave like everyone else, and that makes me feel guilty, and like I'm a terrible mom. And the last thing we want to do is walk away feeling condemned. We want to remind you that there's forgiveness and love. Like, that's why Jesus died on the cross was for our sins, um, and we, we are going to sin, and we're going to sin regularly, and, and he forgives us, and he just calls us to repentance. He calls us to pursue him. He calls us to be road signs pointing to Christ, to everyone we interact with, to our children, to our spouses, to our friends, our neighbors, um, our kids' playmates. Like, he calls us to be a road sign pointing to him. And um, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to never covet. We're not going to never envy or never be prideful. Um, and he wants, I want you guys to walk away, like knowing that that is sin and that's ugly and that's not of the Lord and he has more for you. Um, but there's also forgiveness and there's love, right? Like he forgives all of that and he loves us so much that he wants to course correct us. He wants us to read his word, to be informed by his scriptures because they're, they're for us, right? They're, they're to guide us and they're to, to give us life and life abundantly, Um, So the last thing we wanted was for y'all to feel condemned. Just know that there's forgiveness and love. And if you have any questions or anything up here, we're going to have Q&A time in a minute. But anything further that's more personal, feel free to come talk to us. 
Um, one thing I want to point out on your table is a resource packet. Um, if you're kind of going, wow, that was a lot, or hmm, I want more about that, there's several things. There's a handful of articles we put on here. There are four sermons that y'all, that's everything we talked about, I talked about, came from those sermons, so I really just, you know, copied. Um, and I'm kidding. Um, totally kidding. But anyway, so sermons are fabulous. There's more on the topic. Um, there's an excerpt from a book that I love, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And then there's a whole slew of scripture to process if you're looking to spend some more time unpacking the message from today.